You're, you mean you're already ready and I was just doinking around? You were just doinking around. Why, why was I doinking around? What was I doing? I, was, I didn't feel like I was doinking around. <laughs> didn't feel like doinking. Didn't look like doinking. Well, it might have looked like doinking. How do, how do I know? I didn't know what it looked like. I was just sitting here getting ready to go. It's 9, 10 a.m. Saturday, December the 11th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. There very, you go. Very cinematic. Very cinematic. We're talking about cinema. We're talking about the, <laughs> the cinema of life. The um, There's no candles lit. Weird. Oh. It's weird being down here without the candles. Doing. I guess I wasn't already then. Well, what you don't not you don't well, I like this when the smelling goody count candle is lit. Yep, but here I am. Oh. I'm gonna light the candles. She's gonna light the candles now. But I'm still here. I was just looking at this book that Diane's brother Gary sent up to us. It's a book of essays by Louise Gluck, and uh, it looks very interesting. It's proofs and theories, essays on poetry. Poetry. You know, I don't think we talk enough about poetry, Diane. That's what I think. We don't? Here on the show. Well, then go at it. Well, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) But I just, you know, I don't know. Oh, crap. I just keep remembering things I've forgotten to do. This is is my life more and more now, Diane, especially with this uh, this distracting uh, little back pain situation I got going on. Are you feeling now all, all on your own there while I'm lighting the candle? Yeah, I do feel a little abandoned over here, Diane. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. It's okay. all right. It's kind of hard to... Okay. Oh, now, what, what candles if, are what, like... Wait. What? Well, I couldn't light them. You couldn't? They you come over here and sit. I'm going to go... I'll lay them. They need to be trimmed. They need to be trimmed? Yeah. Okay, now we're ready. Here we are, sitting in the candlelight. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. The glitter, the flicky flecks of the fairy dust, and the magical uh, moments of uh, interactive uh, stuff that we like to celebrate here on the show. And um, before we go any further, I think it's, I'm compelled to say, Diane, it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Over to you. Please. Well, there's a reason why we didn't get everything staged and appropriate this morning. We were a little... We had a lovely... We had a lovely evening last evening night. Evening last night. With our friends. And stayed up quite late for us. We did. Yeah. It was kind of like a... It was a real kind of party vibe. It was so celebratory. It was celebratory. With Kelly and Mary. Our friends Kelly, Murphy, and Mary Lenz. Oh, came man. over last night. It was so good dinner. to see them. And see their faces, man. I mean, because we have been seeing them through the pandemic from time to time at a distance with masks, right. you know, so. Yeah, they got, that's a couple of the, couple of very classic faces in my life as those two people. They are, they represent something very good. And, and in have, mine too. And have for many, many years. So. It was so wonderful just to, I don't know, laugh and talk with people in person and have them in your home and, oh, it just. Share food. Well, yes, we had our 
the vegetable soup, the community of vegetable soup that uh, that's what and pumpkin pie and pumpkin pie, but and these brioches that and that was I was gonna say. Yeah, Mary brought Mary made these pesto parmesan brioches that. Oh my God! I felt like now I only want to eat this soup with these brioches. Yeah, and you were and dipping the the brioches in the soup. Oh, it was crazy! It was incredible. Yeah, as if it was meant to be, Diane. It was meant to be. I yes, think. Indeed, and we so we literally them broke... around the house, showing them our collection of Poleskis. You know, and our green men. And our green men, because yes. Kelly, Kelly carved a little green man out of a piece of wood for Diane. And hand tinted it. And hand tinted it. It is so precious to me. Yeah, man. Thank uh, you. It's man. like a, a piece of naturally occurring uh, phenomenon, you know, that's got a kind of very organic quality to it, which is, you know, completely appropriate. It's like infused with green man energy. This piece of wood that Kelly carved the green man on. So it is what it represents. He's about the size of a, the palm of your hand. Yeah. And so uh, we have to carry him around the house and find out where he wants to live. He needs to be in plain sight. He does need to be in plain sight. He needs so to be somewhere where it's unavoidable. It might be, I don't know, what? might be over by the mantle, like right underneath, right, right above the mantle, but not, anyway. I I've just we have to find a place that we can see him and That's right. and yeah I would love face. it if he could be part of our our main panorama by that I mean what we see from our two chairs here in the living room anyway that's what's been happening that's been going on and uh, we got this new book from Gary it just we just got it it looks very fascinating and I can't wait to dive into it and I can't Gary wait. if you're listening to this you know. We're not, we're not seeing anything as just Christmas gifts. So the, oh. you, it was a gift. Was we a opened Christmas it. Gift? Oh. I don't know. We got a gift. I'm assuming maybe. Yeah, but... it had kind of a fancy kind of look yeah. to it. Oh well. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for the Christmas present. Oh, and I think it's going to be interesting, and I'm, I, uh, I look forward to the day when I have the ability to read again. Right now, I'm not very. I'm not able to read very much just because I don't have the uh, the body comfort to concentrate on stuff. So that's kind of a weird thing. But that's what's going on. That is what's happening here in Lake Amphetamine. I'm having a, a uniquely uh, dissonant body experience, but I'm also learning a bunch of new stuff about that I hope will help to be corrective. So it's a, it's a journey, and uh, it's an interesting part of it. I was taking some time off from doing my performances online because I wanted to write some new material and it's kind of I feel like I've kind of plunged into a different kind of reality but it's not without its lessons or its uh, you know good information so maybe this is what I'm supposed to be writing about now because I am writing but it's it's like it's like wrangling cats right now it's like my writing is just all over the map because i'm really uncomfortable in my body so what comes out of that is you know yeah but some of your wonderful songs of the last decade have come out of pain i know it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, state of being and also i'm in this 
kind of dreamy state because I'm my sleep is interrupted. I, I don't sleep for more than three, three and a half hours tops. I think three and a half hours is the most. And I'm only mentioning it because it happened uh, last night. Um, we went to bed at 11. Oh, that's more 11.30, I think. Oh, okay, well then three hours. Because three, I didn't wake up till 3.30. Sometimes I'll go to bed, well, but if I go to bed at 9, it's usually around between 12 and 12.30. And it's because my body hurts so bad that it wakes me up. Yeah. And then I have to get up out of bed and I usually have to be upright for at least an hour uh, so that I everything normalizes and I can go, somebody's phone is going off. You're I don't getting, think it's mine. Where's your phone? Because mine's upstairs. Um, anyway, so I, you know, I don't like dwelling on this. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. But it's, it is the topic of my life. It is the... Ew. Boy, stuff and substance of That's good coffee. Uh, what I'm dealing with day to day, so it shouldn't go unmentioned because I know it affects my my temperament moment to moment. Also, I here endeth my screed. So, what what's been happening for you this week? Besides that, well, Kelly and Mary came over. I I had a great conversation with my sister and with my mom. And yeah, you drove down and. Picked your mom up and brought her up brought to, her up to Seattle, Seattle. Yeah, to visit her friend Olive. And I'm going to be picking her up again on Monday morning and taking her back home. And uh, Because it's something I can do. You know, One of the things that Kelly and I were talking about last night when we were out in the kitchen was how you know, we can't help our, our mothers. We can't really improve their life. They are, yeah. they are both in a place of kind of uh, pronounced decline you know they're for them it's Wednesday but us looking at them we're seeing a diminished person whom and we can't do anything about the diminishment of them any more than we can do it about ourselves and we're feeling it in ourselves and you know it's strange to be an elderly person with a parent still alive it is a strange phenomenon and I feel like my mom is less and less tethered to this existence she's still here her conversations are sharp she you know she was telling stories from back in her nursing days yesterday while we were driving up here it was just i was just enthralled you know you said that she you felt that she was flared up yeah she was ultra lucid about these particular things the things that she is that are active in her mind man she's got it so it's just, I'm just cherishing these moments with my mom because she sees them as, you know, ridiculously extra, you know. She has no concept of why she's still here. But for me, uh, I, I know exactly why she's still here. Yeah. You know, because I think my mom is offering up a part of herself at this stage of life. It's like she's just learned how to do it. Yeah. Well, what a joy. Yeah, and it's a very generous part of herself. So it's, you know, and I never know whether it's something that is uh, especially for me or whether this is just how she is now because I only have my encounters with her to go on. But, but uh, I've I'm, always had encounters like that with right, her, so I, I don't know I, what It, the it reminds would me be. of what I see when she's talking to you, but I'm getting it too. And I, you know, my mom was deeply in love with Dick Strip. You know, she knows what that feels like. So maybe it's a recognition in her uh, 
that we share that in common. Yeah. The luck, you know. I think my mom has a special relationship with me because she feels like she and I have both had really good luck in our lives or something. You know, I, I don't know. But it's great to have time with her. Um, and I, I wish I could do more for her. But I think that's a pretty common uh, place to be for young people who, with still living parents who are in decline and, you know. Well, when I was talking to Alice while you were in the meadow, she was having the same feeling about you. Yeah, I know. So it is a, it is a continuum. It's a continuum. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting to be at this stage of it, and to still have direct contact with my elder. You know the last remaining elder of my tribe. So. Well, it's interesting to even think about that idea. I was telling my friend Shelley yesterday, who I spoke to by Zoom yesterday, yeah. about this occasion I had where I went with a group of younger women. I used to do a full moon circle every uh, month with a group mostly of women younger than me, um, a couple of women of my age. And it was such a treasurable time of my life. But then when when those younger women kind of got more involved with families and they started having children, everything naturally came to a close. But during the period of time that we were doing it, these young women wanted to participate in a bigger full moon gathering that took place i think it was incarnation or someplace that was a little bit more rural oh, yeah and there was a group of i want to say that there were maybe a hundred women at this gathering and it was so powerful in my life because what the leader of the circle did is at the beginning she had a us order ourselves by age and so we had to actually go and meet people because we were asking well how old are you and you know I'm older than you and and so everybody finally got into their places by age and I think the youngest was 15 and the oldest uh, was older than me and I was in my 50s at the time but I was about the fourth oldest in the group and it was so incredible because after we had gotten in the circle, the leader said, so now that you're all in the circle, I want you younger women to look around the circle at all the stages of life you'll go through. And I want you older women to look back on all the stages of life you have been through. And it was so powerful because as you're living your life, you don't realize that you're making these small changes all the time. So many times people will say when they're older, oh, well, I, I'm just the same as I was when I was in my 20s. But when you're in a situation like that, you think, I am nothing like what I was in my 20s. Yeah. You have a certain you-ness that you know, right. but the things that you've been through have, have changed you. And the, the thing that was really incredible about this circle is there were women who were pregnant in the circle. There were these incredibly young, 
beautiful women. There were all these women in their middle age, and it just was a remarkable experience. Yeah. But when you get a chance to see that continuum, and you see it in yourself with your parents, and you see it in yourself with your kids, you know, you, you're always looking back, always looking forward. It's quite astonishing. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, it makes me think odd thoughts. Like I was thinking, it makes sense to me that women outlive men. Because, especially, you know, mothers should be the last to go. Because they're the first you see. You know, the first person you see, if you're lucky, is your mother. Yeah. It should be the last person, too, that remains. She should be the one that... Because I think there's... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the son-mother connection. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, I had a powerful connection with my mom. Right. But I have felt in the last 20 years of my life that my connection with my mom has just gotten... Uh, I mean, it's been there all, all, a long, long time. Some of the best talks I, in my life have been with my mom. Only And especially because she is so damn funny. She is so funny, you know, and she loves telling funny stories, and she she's got a great and laugh. She's, she's yeah. had a very eccentric family oh, to yeah. tell stories about yeah. too. And she, you know, those are the stories that stick, or you know, and so and she's an uh, a keen observer, uh, and really, you know, she should have been a writer, or a, she should have been a TV personality, she's or something. She's like an Irma Bombeck type is. of situation. She's she's uh, what used to be called back in the non-politically correct days, a tough old broad. <laughs> and that's how she used to describe our Aunt Grace uh, to me, because Aunt Grace lived to, to, to be in her 90s, and so she was kind of the last uh, of her generation to still be around. And uh, she always called her a tough old broad. Anyway. Interestingly, so, I, so, I feel like there's been a lot of... Um, Thoughts about ancestors this yes. this weekend. Yeah, because you and had that connection, that talk with Gary about about an, um, an odd ancestor from your mother's line that has made contact and yeah and filled in some stuff on ancestry and all of that. It does seem like that. It does seem like that. But there, but it resonates backwards and forwards, you know, because one of the one of the thoughts that have come that have been part of my thinking in the last couple of days is what my world is going to be like when my mom is gone yeah and it's going to be a major uh shift not just for me but for our entire family it is and the thing that is so interesting about it for me is that at one point when my father was dying cat um, said, could you tell me everything you're experiencing because I want to prepare yeah. for what I'll be feeling. And you can't prepare. You can't prepare right. for what is going to happen because every experience is slightly different. Right. But certainly, you know, my brother and I are the only remaining members of our our nuclear family. Nuclear family. Yeah. And, um, and I treasure my conversations with him not only because of a lifetime of experience with him but also because he is the the only one who knows about my family the way it really was you know and i think it's so cherishable if you've got a family member 
um, that you can still talk to about those things. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that we each that we both have a family or a sibling of the other gender because you learn through your life how that person's childhood differed from yours, even though it was it happened in the same place with the same cast of characters. Oh, yeah, it's a very had, different experience. They had a different kind of experience. Being, being a girl or being a boy in yeah. a family, that is the truth. It's one of the areas wherein I really see uh, how, a, how a patriarchal system has, has uh, created an unfair environment, you know, just in our culture in general. And it's, I think it's very evident in that dynamic. At least it was, you know, it may not be as much now. I'm hopeful that I didn't visit that on my children the way it was visited on me. But it wasn't visited on me with any agenda. No. It was just visited because that was the way. (laughs) That was the generation we lived in. Yeah. So. So. But it's interesting to see how how that marked us, you know. And I feel, you know, I'm aware of my privilege on that level, you know in a very uh, way that is goes very deep into my body so it's it's very uh, it's emblematic of a larger issue but it's something that you can actually feel in your body you know the truth of it so that's an interesting lesson it's an interesting uh, to gather all this information together to have the opportunity to so part of this painful period of my life is i am shifting my thinking into directions that I wouldn't even have thought of two months ago, you know. I mean, I still feel like that writing and poetry is going to be it. Um, And music, too, to whatever degree I can. Uh, But I think maybe I'm turning the corner on the part of me that has been clinging to that as being somehow the big thing or the thing that mattered most or something like that. Because I think there's other areas of life to explore, and part of what I am being called to, to do right now is be outside more, which seems very strange. But when I go out and walk, I don't hurt. I mean, I don't, I'm not thinking about my hurting. And I want to walk and I want to look up and I want to, you know, I want to be walking not because I need the exercise, but because. Just because you want to be out. I want to be out there and see what I see. And uh, it seems like a very subtle kind of shift, but it really, it feels also emblematic of my age and also my state of health, uh, that I want to gather some material uh, from a much more organic place, you yeah. know? It's like, it's, but there's a level of, of metaphor operating here that I can't escape, and that is, I'm moving back to the earth. Yeah. You know? Well, in a lot of ways, I mean, one of the wonderful aspects of our talks last night with Kelly and Mary was about age. He just made me laugh so hard, uh, Kelly, Kelly, Kelly when he was talking funny. about how he has such a hard time with Zoom calls yeah. because he could see his face, and the whole time he's thinking, who is that old man? Right. <laughs> you know, I just that little white-haired guy up in the corner. 
I just, I mean, it, it was hilarious to me because it's so true. You do see, like, for me, I was thinking, yeah, I always see this little, what's this thing with my chin? Or, you know, you're, oh, yeah. you're very aware of uh, how different you look to yourself, even though for your team or the people who love you, they aren't thinking that, but right. you're thinking that. Yeah. So, and I had a wonderful conversation with my brother yesterday. Um, he, I've spoken about it on the show before, but he has really introduced me to most of the, the initiating incidents in my life that, um, as older siblings do. As older okay. siblings do. But I was very fortunate that I had a brother who cared to share it with me and wanted to. Um, and the, so we have experienced a lot of things together in our lifetime. And one of the things that we really loved when we were young were musicals. And I know a lot of people didn't think that musicals were their deal. Mm-hmm. But we loved so many of the musicals and uh i in fact we went to see them i i still remember seeing singing in the rain when we were kids because we did this thing on the the beach after seeing it we were probably in our teens saying gotta dance and then we do this little silly dance on the sand you know and um I, i loved them all and i know that a lot of people are like, oh, musicals, you know, but... I, I have to be in a certain mood to watch a musical. I really do. I mean, I'm not... That's no big deal. And I'm often in that mood is the thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love them yeah. and have since I was young. And my brother and I always loved them together. They're such a unique art form, too. They it is a, it are. Is a, it is a strange... It's strange to think that you can respond and... and uh, uh, even interact with it because it is such a strange combination of uh, music and dancing and drama and stuff. And it's, you know, life is not like this. And yet life we is... look at it and it's an idealized thing and it captures us. But that is the thing that is so interesting yeah. about it because yesterday, Gary and I were talking about the impending attendance or our desire to go see the new version of West Side Story because West Side Story was a huge musical in our lives. Yes, it was a huge musical in our lives too. I mean, the music itself, we used to listen to all the time and uh, loved it when I was young. But I was, as I was talking to him, I realized that so many of the things that we were talking about were these ideas that were presented to us as young people through these musicals that were very hard concepts, like the West Side Story that is about gang life and racism and racism yeah. and immigration racism yeah. and um, that Fiddler on the Roof was about anti-Semitism and you know the pogroms that led everybody to flee to America and. Um, even South Pacific, which was out of all the the musicals that we watched, our least favorite, uh, we thought it was pretty dopey, you know. Yeah. But it's had this song, You Have to Be Carefully Taught. Yeah. And so all these musicals, it's almost like even it was Sound a... Sound of Music had its... Sound of Music yeah. with the Nazi Germany, right. you know. All of these these musicals, it was almost like they're... 
they're putting a sugar coating around a pill that you're going to take. That you got to take. That you've got to take to introduce you to this is the way the world is. Mm -hmm. To introduce you to concepts that you don't want to look at. That exactly. As a as a culture, we don't want to look at, especially uh, you know white culture. We do not want to look at slavery at this point in history, and it's something that we have to encounter. That's right. If this if the country is going to get better from where it's at, we need to see it. This morning, um, I'll talk about the song that we chose uh, because Gary was the one who pointed this song out to me, and it was so powerful. But um, the person who sings the song is Rita Marino, who was in the first West Side Story of 1961. And so I had a desire to watch her dancing and watched the song America. Now, that song is so well known to me but for some reason, seeing it now with what has happened in the last five years um, in our culture and, and really seeing what's going on, I was just stunned at how blatant the, the information they were giving was, you know. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to dig for it, did you? You didn't have it's to dig right for there. it. And right even there. in the dancing in of face. it, it was face. like, this is what America is like, yeah. you know. And I was just like, oh, my God. Because when I was young, I think I only saw the, you know, there was, there's a lot of... Uh, there's excitement and jubilation. There's yeah. There's a celebratory quality to it. And that's the delivery system. That's know? the delivery system. And it's, and but it made me wonder how much of these sugar pills that we took through entertainment actually led to some shift in people's thinkings. I don't know. I don't know. Most, I think but. most people would say it's not the most effective method, but it's the most palatable method. And so as, a, as, as step one in a... 150 step process yeah. it, it might be effective well but you've got to have somebody who sort of shakes you and wakes you up yeah. and if you aren't even willing to hear right. this is a way and so i even was telling you this morning interesting timing on re-releasing this oh yeah i don't think i don't think story. steven spielberg has done this by accident i don't think so either yeah. Yeah. so in any event the reason why we chose the song we did was because my brother was telling me that they did this song somewhere. And in, Rita Marino sings it. She's playing the role of the shopkeeper. Yeah, the, the, the one who... Uh, I, and I don't know what her new role is going to be oh. like. Um, I know what the old role was, right. but it'll be interesting to see because it was the, a shopkeeper who was basically watching these young gangs tearing each other apart and, and watched... And stopped a, an almost rape of uh, what the character of Rita Marino was playing, Anita, in the in the original. So, uh, and, so and I can't even. The shopkeeper is the one who sings the song in the original. Uh, no, no, okay. The That's in the right. original, it's a duet between Tony and Maria. Oh, okay. And so that was what Gary was saying. He said, "I always thought of it because it was in a duet." I always thought of it almost like a love song. Right. 
but the by hearing it just sung by one, one person yeah. he he got really emotional and was telling me how it made him feel like it's our society looking for this not right. just two lovers looking for this right. and interesting way of reframing that song because it it's very effective it's very effective very and effective. that's so this morning i was thinking about what gary said and thought i want to listen to that new version and i just wept uh for hearing it and especially I don't know and that's the thing when you have someone introduce it to you in a certain way just like we are introducing it now but Gary introduced it to me you're hearing it you don't know whether you would have heard it the same way if you hadn't had the conversation but right. it so deeply affected me and um, I wanted to share the experience so we owe Gary a lot this week because he gave us the framework for this presenting this song and also this book that just came to us this morning. So thank you, Gary. And I'll 